Here we open with prayer. Good morning. Welcome to the refuge. Praise the Lord. Father God, we just thank you again, Lord, for this time to come together, Lord, to expound on your word, to study your word, to show ourselves approved unto you, God. We do not want to be workers ashamed in your field, Lord God. Father, we want to be prepared and always ready for what you have set before us, Lord. And God, we thank you, God, that you have sent the Holy Ghost to fill us, to lead us and guide us upon in your holy way for your glory, God. And Father, we just pray this morning, God, that we would be attentive to hear what thus saith the Lord, and God, that I do not take it lightly to be standing here to bring forth your word, God, but humbly I submit to your will, and humbly, God, I pray that you would anoint me and use me for your glory, for all that hear this word this morning would receive it and run with it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in Numbers chapter 23 to start. That is not our, our text, as they say. It's just uh, that's where we're going to start. Just laying a little groundwork. Chapter 23, verse 19 is the first one I'm going to read. And in this, this particular place, this um, king, if you will, had asked the prophet of God to curse a certain people group. But instead... The prophet of God had to obey God rather than man. Amen? And so he, although had been charged with doing this thing and saying, well, I'm going to curse you and put a curse on you, rather he blessed the people. And so here the, the king was not happy with him. But the, the prophet responds with this, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said... And shall he not do? Or hath he spoken? And shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless. And if he hath blessed, I cannot reverse it. Amen? So when God says he's going to do something, he does it. Amen? Amen. He doesn't repent of it. He doesn't back up from it. He doesn't turn around and run away from it. He doesn't say, oh, this is too challenging. This is too much for me. I can't handle it. I mean, Jesus himself bore all that weight and all that sorrow and all that pain at the cross for us he didn't back down from that so what makes us think that god would ever back down from anything amen if he has called you to do something he's not going to say you know what you're not man enough to do this because he knows that you are because he called you to it amen and it's him that makes us man or woman enough not ourselves amen in verse 12 the same prophet right when the the king is angry with him Verse 12, he says, And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? If God is calling you to bring forth the word, to, to, to you feel like God's calling you to preach, to, uh, to be a prophet, to share what God has put in you, and you're beginning to feel like it's fire shut up in your bones, you need to write this scripture and put it somewhere, maybe on your dashboard or your car or on your mirror or, or in the front of your Bible or something so that you're constantly reminding yourself that if God puts it in you, you better not try to quench it. You better not try not to because who are you? You're just a man or a woman, amen, just a human. But he is God Almighty. And if he sets forth to bless someone, he's going to bless. If he sets forth to use someone, that is his full intent and purpose and he will not repent of it. Amen? We're going to read some more scripture on it. This means that if God chooses to bless Mariah, 
And God wants me to tell Mariah that God wants to do something for her. And I say, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't want her to be blessed. You know, her best friend or her, you know, my best friend doesn't want me to tell her. So I'm not going to tell her because then it'll mess up my relationship with my best friend. So I'm not going to tell her. Is that going to stop God from blessing Mariah? No. It's going to stop God from blessing me. Amen? Is it going to affect my best friend? Yes, because now I'm being affected by negatively not responding to God, right? But God's not going to not bless my best friend because I was disobedient. God's, not, God's going to not bless the disobedient one. Amen? Is he going to say, you know what? You fell short. I'm not calling you anymore. Hey, nope. You're still called. He doesn't take it back. Amen? Let's, let's move forward. I know y'all are worried that I've been gone a long time and I just might preach for three hours. <laughs> Psalm 110. Now I know the specific scripture actually pertains to Jesus Christ himself, however, is showing the, the, the attributes of God. And when he says a thing, he does it. We could go on through Genesis to Revelation and see that this truth. Amen? Amen. Okay, so Psalms 110, verse 4. Everybody there? The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And yes, he's speaking of Jesus. But here again, the Lord has sworn something. That means anything that God speaks into existence, anything God purposes, he does not repent of it. Amen? Because when God speaks a thing, it is sworn. Does that make sense? Amen? It's law. It becomes law. It becomes unmovable. It's unchangeable. There is no shadow of turning in him. He is the Lord thy God and he changes not. Amen? Amen. We like to think that we change, that we evolve, that we become more spiritual or more mature. The truth of the matter is, yes, we need to grow. Yes, we do become more mature. Yes, we, but we only do that when we seek God Almighty. Not by going to um, institutions of higher learning, which, you know, I'm not telling you not to go to college, but I'm saying that going to college or, or increasing your mental status is not going to increase your maturity. How many of you ever witnessed that? Amen. People with huge mental status with the maturity of a two-year-old or maybe a four-year-old. Amen? Amen. 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 <laughs> We've actually, yeah, just recently seen some scientists go toe to toe—the creationists versus the scientists—and they, they kind of, or some of these great politicians of the of today, they're so, so mental giants and have bank accounts that would make us weep if we even knew how much money they had, and yet they act like kids on the playground at kindergarten. Just that's ridiculous, isn't it? But see, God's not like that. And so, therefore, we are called, we are Christians. Amen? Amen? If someone were to ask you, are you a Christian? Are you a Muslim? Are you, you know, what religion, what denomination, what religion are you? The most popular, easiest way to answer that question really quickly is to say, I'm a Christian. Amen? 
You could say, well, I believe in the way. Well, they don't know what that means, so you have to explain it to them. I, I, I'm a follower of Christ. Well, what does that look like? Well, for us, the quickest way to say it is I'm a Christian. But really, we understand that today's society does need to be explained because there are so many different people and people groups that call themselves Christians that are not. Amen? But what it means to be a Christian is that I am Christ-like. I am following Christ. So therefore, if we speak a thing and we say we're going to do it, we need to do it. Amen? We don't get to say, yes, I will be there. Come hell or high water, I'm going to be there. And then the next thing you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, it wasn't hell and it wasn't high water, but it was a... Uh, I had a headache. Uh, I had a flat tire. Um, I just didn't feel like it. Amen? God never says, you know what? The wind was blowing in the wrong direction, so I didn't do what I said I was going to do. Amen? He does what he says he's going to do. And so we must be like that. That's an attribute of God that we should also carry. Amen? Attain to, seek, seek after. Amen? Okay. Here's our scripture for today. Romans. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Here's one more scripture. That's funny. Romans chapter 11. Larry's already quoted this a hundred times in his mind this morning as he's listening to the message, I'm sure. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. Right there. For the gift and calling of God are without repentance. God calls you. He gives you gifts. He does not take them back. He, period. He does not take them back. This is why sometimes you see people out in the world and, and you hear them singing. Or you see them playing and you get chills. And you're like, God, what was that? Why would I feel moved by the secular person singing, which we shouldn't be listening to anyway, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and so you're like, whoa, what, what was that? Well, God's gift is still there. They're just using it for the wrong purpose. Amen? I've seen it, seen it so much, and so many, lots of times, Christians will be deceived because they think, oh, I just get goosebumps when I listen to her singing. It's so anointed. She's, you know, she's a pastor's daughter. It's so anointed. No, 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 no. You have to be using the gift for God, for God to be pleased with it. Amen? The world would be greatly pleased. You'll make tons of money exploiting the Holy Ghost, exploiting God's calling. Amen? It's actually referred to as prostituting the anointing that God has given you. You think God's going to be pleased with that? No, no. So what, what, what do we get from this, though, is that when God tells you to do something... He does not take it back. So you don't get to trade it in. So I've heard this quoted this way back in the day where people would say, well, if you don't use your gift, God's going to take it from you. It's not true. It's not true. That you, that you can't, that the way they said it was that you can't repent of the gift that God has given you. Well, guess what? You can't. You can't give it back. You can reject it. You can not use it. You can deny it. You can lie to yourself all you want. You can lie yourself right on into hell. Amen? It's a slippery slope. 
But God's not going to take it back, and it makes no difference. If I gave Stone the keys to a, if I, if I could, to, I don't know. All right, if I bought him a brand new, what's that guitar, Martin? Okay. Huh? A guitar. His dream guitar, whatever it is. He's shrugging his shoulders at me right now. If you were, if you were to buy him his dream guitar and say, here's the best guitar in the world, okay? Here it is. It's yours. I want you to use it and make beautiful music and glorify God. And he would say, that's nice. And he put it in a case in the corner and left it there for the rest of his life. Does it make any difference whether or not I gave him a gift? No. I still gave it to him. That does not change that matter, does it? I still paid the price for him to have that gift. Amen? That does not change. What changes is whether or not he honored that gift and whether or not he used that gift for the glory. Amen? I'm going to pick on stone this morning. All right. Now we're going to 1 Kings. So I flip my pages and make funny sounds. 1 Kings. Nineteen. Yeah, First Kings chapter nineteen. Now, the precursor for or another precursor for this message this morning is I gave you all a little hint on it Friday night. Was that the Lord gave me a dream about someone who is not here, and um, in that dream, I received a text, and the text. Plainly, clearly said from that person, I am under or enduring heavy hatred. Intense hatred was the word. I'm enduring intense hatred. And, there, and therefore, I'm going back home. I'm leaving. This is the scripture the Lord gave me for this. And I thought, well, it's just for that person. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. He kept dealing with me and dealing with me. So it's for all of us to receive this this morning. All right, we're going to read. 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to try to read fast, so try to keep up. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. What had Elijah done? He killed all of Jezebel's prophets. Who's Jezebel? The evil witch, leader of Baal worship and all kinds of evil nastiness. Amen? She's the epitome of disobedience, the epitome of everything that's against God. Okay? So Ahab, the king, had told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do unto me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of them by tomorrow about this time. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out. And if I don't, I pray that my gods will do, do worse to me than, than you've done to all my prophets. Think she was mad? She was mad. Apparently, she was kind of a scary woman. More, more scary than even Medusa. Because she, she had authority and she ursed authority over everybody in the kingdom. Ahab was her husband, but he did whatever she wanted. And the whole entire kingdom did whatever she wanted. And she hated God. She hated Elijah. 
And when he saw that, he arose. When Elijah saw this, this letter, this, when he heard this message, he's, when he saw it, he went for his life. He ran for his life. This prophet of God ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. You stay here. I'm going on ahead. Verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he prayed unto God and requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. I haven't attained to anything. I'm no better than, than all those who went before me. Just go ahead and take my life. Just end it here. Lord, in other words, kind of like, I would rather, God, that you take my life than this evil witch. I can think of so many scenarios right now running through my mind as Christians, the things that we can come up against, that we would say, Lord, just go ahead and take me out now. I would rather die at your hand than the hands of ISIS. ISIS. Cancer. That's why I was thinking disease. Disease? No, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, yeah. What else? An evil witch? The government? <laughs> an evil and evil government. Um, what? <laughs> um, Mom was talking about Alzheimer's this morning, and to me that's like, that is torture. Torture. I could imagine people crying out like that, saying, Lord, just take me. You got one? Being at the end of your rope where it looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. This is a place where, where Elijah has kind of come to, he almost, it, it seems ridiculous because you know the story, you know all the the great victory he just went through, the great victory he just participated, the mighty move of God that he just witnessed. And not only did he witness, he spearheaded this mighty move of God. And then here he is going, oh, snap, I've made her mad now. I'm going to run up here and get under this juniper tree and ask God to just go ahead and strike me dead. He shouldn't have received the message. Yeah, that's true. See a message? Oh, I like that. See your message? I'm a message. But you see a messenger from Satan coming, just say, oh, no. I, no. Uh-uh. Don't even, don't even step on my property. Don't even come into my tent. Just, no. Who was it? What's it? Wigglesworth? Or, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth. He woke up one night and there was like this demon, this manifestation standing at the foot of his bed. Evil, nasty, crusty looking, demonic presence and he wakes up he looks at him and goes oh it's you I don't have time for you get out of here he goes back to sleep <laughs> I'm paraphrasing but you know because they didn't speak like that back then but just you know no get out of here I'm not I'm not receiving your junk this morning or tonight amen we should not receive the message from the evil one amen good message Larry and he lay and slept under the juniper tree. And look, look at this. Look at God's mercy. And he lay and slept under the juniper tree. And behold, then an angel came and touched him and said, Arise, get up and eat. And Elijah looked, verse 6, and behold, there was a, a cake 
like a hoe cake, on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and he lay down and went back to sleep. I could totally see Stone and I doing that. <laughs> We're just like, oh, angel, food, thank you. Yeah, right back to sleep. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. How, this is showing God's mercy in a several different ways. Thank you, honey. That he sees where Elijah's going already. He already knows where the prophet of God is headed. He confirms that by sending an angel of God to minister to him. Amen? The angel not only just comes to encourage him, but he feeds him physical food. And the angel reveals that he knows that the journey that he's on is long, and it's going to take a while to get where he's going. And in verse 8, Elijah arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that food, bread and water, for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, walking by himself. Unto Oreb or, or Sinai, depending on which version you're reading, the Mount of God. He went all that way, and the angel knew it was going to take him 40 days. The angel knew he needed sustenance for his body. Why didn't God just go, you know what, Elijah, man, didn't you just see everything I did? Don't you know that I am the Lord God Almighty? I called you. I am the one that consumed that wet offering. I'm the one that showed up and showed out. It wasn't you. I'm the one that slayed all those evil prophets of Satan. Not you. You know what? You're just not man enough for the job. You're right. I'm just going to strike you with lightning right here under this tree. Why didn't God do that? I could see a lot of generals, mighty you know, militia men, general, generals saying, you know what? He's not man enough to do this job. And I'm not dissing Elijah. Don't get me wrong. Elijah was a, is, was a mighty man of God and is a powerful spirit rising up today. And this is why you need to know it, y'all. need to understand Elijah. Why didn't God do it? God already had somebody in mind to take his place. So why didn't God just go ahead and expedite it and just go ahead and take care of business? Oh, the intensity of your heart. He knows his thoughts. He knew he really, he really loved God, and he really wanted to see God's work fulfilled. Very good. Amen. Because God is, is full of mercy and grace, and when it's righteous, it's righteous. Amen? There's, there's just nothing you can do about righteousness. Praise God. And everything God does is righteous. It would not have been righteous for him to snuff him right then. Because God had a gift and a calling upon his life and he still had a work for him to do. He wasn't done with Elijah yet. Amen? Because Elijah was what? Yes, he was a man of God, but that means he was a servant of God. Amen? Would you do service for Jesus your king? There's power in the blood. Amen? 
the anointing of God, he was not done with Elijah. He was not ready to remove his anointing. He was not ready to call Elijah home. He was not ready. It was not time. Amen? Verse 9, And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said unto him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, is this God manifesting, showing himself? Not yet. This is the word of the Lord. The word comes and speaks to us sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes in the middle of the day, sometimes at work, sometimes in your car, you just hear the word of the Lord speak to you. That is the spirit of the Lord speaking to you. And he spoke to Elijah and he said, what are you doing here? And he said, Lord, verse 10, I've been very jealous for you. Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left. And I seek my, and they seek my life to take it away. She's turned everybody against us, Lord. It's just me and you. And here on earth, in the flesh, it's just me. I'm the only one left. So why don't you just take me out? Verse 11, and he said, God said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed, passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Ever been looking for God? And you want to see, you want to hear, you want to know so bad. And you know God has told you to go to a place. And the wind blows. And it's not quite God. It's not God. It's the wind. Amen? It's not God at all. The wind blew. The earth even shook. It was an earthquake, y'all. That's God. God is shaking the earth. He's trying to tell me something. Nope. God sent him there to be there because he wanted him to see him. Amen? Many times we preach the message and we've come to understand, you know, Paul could not have served Jesus the way he did and even be called an apostle unless he saw Jesus. Amen? He had to see him with his heart. He had to see him with his spirit. He had to bear witness to who Jesus was to be able to bring forth the message that he brought. And God wanted Elijah to go this little step further. You've been all this way. You've been obedient all this way. Come on. I'm going to take you a little further. A little deeper now. I'll show you a little something else. Amen? Behold, I will show you great and wondrous things. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Devana finished it that you do not know. Anybody else know what God looks like? Anybody else seen him pass by? Wow. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. Moses saw a fire. Maybe Elijah's like, oh, a fire. Who knows what he's thinking, you know? But what would you think? The wind blew, the earthquake, now a fire. Right after God spoke to you. Right after God spoke to you, go up there because I'm going to show you myself. Oh, fire. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's, all right. And he's on Mount Sinai. Amen. The exact same mountain. I'll 
There's so many things. When you begin to preach, y'all, it just comes in like a flood. There's so many things. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard that still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God does not repent of his, of his gifts and his calling. He does not back down from a fight. He is not, he is not intimidated by the most evil presence you can imagine on earth or in the heavenlies. He is not intimidated. Nothing intimidates God Almighty. Amen? Nothing. So we should not be intimidated either. Amen? Sometimes we are but we should not be. So we should be encouraged this morning. And the Lord said, what are you doing here? In a sweet, small, quiet voice. He could have literally picked Elijah up and shook him. He could have taken him up in that whirlwind, spun him around, chunked him back down on the ground, let him experience the earthquake firsthand, and then running through the fire. He's God. Amen? But he doesn't, he doesn't do things like that. Amen? He's not a cruel God. He's not a vicious God. He's a kind and good God, and he's sweet. And the, the point, one of the points of him speaking quietly was so that we listen, so that we hear. Amen? Y'all probably don't remember the commercials that used to come on, but the, there was a, a, a financial advisor or something. It's called E.F. Hutton. And the, it would be like a really busy place, and somebody would lean across the table, and they'd be like in the mall, and everybody, you know, it's like, like in the food court, and you can't hear the person in front of you speak. And they lead across, they say, E.F. Hutton said, and the whole room gets quiet. And they're saying it quietly. You know what? E.F. Hutton said. And everybody gets quiet. My director, Mary Kay, used to do the same thing. I don't know if it's because she was losing her voice, because she was sick a lot, or if she was doing it on purpose, but she would get real quiet. And you would have to. You had no other choice but to lean in and listen to see what she was saying. Where do people learn these things? They learn them from God. They may not realize they learn them from God, but God is saying, lean in, Elijah. Get a little closer. What are you doing here? If, you were to, if, you, if I were to find you out someplace, cook, huddled up in a cage, and I ran up in there, and I grabbed you, and I shook you, and I said, Scott, what are you doing here? Are you crazy? You know, how would you respond? Not well. I know. would not respond well. But if I were to come up there and sat down and said, Scott, what's going on? What are you doing here? And that's what God did. He came up to Elijah, and he said, you see all this? I was here the whole time. What is it? I was here. I'm here. The, I was there. I was here. I was with you in the, as you walked through the wilderness. Lo, these 40 days, I was there. I was there when you dropped off at Gehazi back in Bethel, wherever that was. I was there. I'm here. I'm still here. And I'm going to be with you until the end. Amen? I will never leave you or forsake you. You are my called. You are my anointed. You are the one I chose for this job. Glory to God. I don't know if y'all feel it, but I feel it. It's good. Amen? Glory to God. You're the one. And then Jesus, uh, Jesus Elijah says in verse 14, 
He says, I have been very jealous of the Lord God of hosts because of the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am only left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Now get this. The Lord didn't pat him up. Okay? He showed up. He let him know that he was with him. He encouraged him in his spirit the way that only the Holy Ghost can encourage us. Amen? When God shows, be not mistaken, when God Almighty shows up, Holy Ghost is there. Amen? I don't know what this is of people trying to separate God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. You cannot do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You cannot. It cannot be done. And when God the Father shows up, God Almighty shows up, the Holy Ghost is there and he's comforting Elijah. God is there to comfort. It even says, I just caught this. I never caught this before. It says at the top of my Bible, Elijah is comforted. Who is the comforter? The Holy Ghost. Jesus says, expedient that I go that the comforter may come. Amen. So he comforts him, but immediately the Lord says unto him in verse 15, Go. Go. So I'm, I'm telling you here, from my own experience, don't expect God to give you 16 weeks of recovery or seven quick steps to how to get back on track of, of your gifts and calling. Quick the game. Amen. God says, he comes in, and it's like, it's like a flood. It really is. It's comforting. It's like you're inside of this big... I can't explain it, but it's like a giant Holy Ghost marshmallow and everything that's in it is good for you and you're being sustained and renewed and refreshed and bam, he says, go. He doesn't waste time. Amen? God is a redeemer of the time. That doesn't mean he, he takes bad time and makes it in a good time. It means he doesn't waste time. Amen? God, there's so many weird things out there people Amen. say. God does not waste time. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be the king over Israel. Now we're talking about God Almighty again. He could have, and we know for a fact, Elijah could have outrun a chariot one time, or was that Elisha? Somebody, a couple of guys outran some chariots. Amen. Some people were conveyed. Jesus himself was conveyed from point A to point B. God could have conveyed Thank you, honey. Elijah, from point A to point B. But instead, for some reason, God said, go back the way you came. It reminds me of my mom saying, go to your room and think about what you did. <laughs> go think. You know, I don't know. That's just the, the response that I get. That God sent him back the way that he came. Back, back on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, verse 16, thou shalt anoint to be king over Israel. So immediately God puts him back on task. And he doesn't even mention Jezebel. He doesn't promise Je Elijah, I'm going to protect you. God offers you his protection. Amen. But he doesn't say, you know what, don't worry about it. I got this. Go, you know. Go over here, stay in the cave for 16 weeks, and I'm going to protect you, and then uh, um, you know, I'm just going to cause something to happen to Jezebel. He didn't tell him any of that, not per the scripture. Amen? Okay, so he says, go. Get back on, on your job. you got some kings to go anoint, and get, and get this. And Elijah, 
We're still in verse 16, right in the middle of verse 16. And Elijah, the son of Shephat, and Abel-Lamela, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in your room. And that means in your stead, in place of you. See, I told you he already had somebody lined up to take his place. He could have just said, you know what? Just stay here in this cave. Just You just stay here in this cave. And I'll just go ahead and get Elijah and anoint him myself. And I'll, I'll get Elijah to anoint these two kings, and you can just stay here in this cave. You can go ahead and retire. Anybody see the word retire in the book? The Holy Bible? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, baby. <laughs> and it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which, which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha, and it goes into the anointing of Elisha. But God let him know right there at the end, you're not alone, you're not, the only, not, you're not alone because I'm here. Amen? And then he let him know that he had kings that he had set in place and he wanted them to be anointed. And so therefore it was Elijah's job to go forth and anoint them. And not only that, but he had somebody to raise up. You have somebody coming up in your stead that needs to be trained. God had a place for that for Elijah. Elijah's out there plowing the field for his dad. He didn't know that Elijah was going to come by and toss his mantle over on him and call him to preach, call him to be the prophet. Amen? But the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So what is the message? What is the underlying or the, the top of the headline of this message? Is that when God calls you to do something or God places you in a place, it doesn't matter. What matters is your relationship with God is, is top of the line. Amen? Amen? Top, top, top. Most important thing. One of the words Larry used to like to use is paramount. Yes, like like the top peak of the mountain, paramount, the most important thing is your relationship with God. Amen? And so there, anything that comes to affect that relationship with God, God says, I don't care if it looks like the wicked witch of the West. I don't care if it looks like that ugly statue they just put up in Detroit. I don't care if it looks like that. It has horns and a tail. I don't care if it looks like... I don't care what it looks like. Amen? Because he, all he cares about is your vision of him. Amen? He says to fix our eyes on him. Remember several Friday nights ago he told us to fix our eyes upon him, keep our eyes on him. Because the things that the devil's going to try to bring are, are sent to distract us, to try to pull you down, to destroy you, to try to wait, break your faith and confidence in God. So how do we continue our faith and confidence so we keep our eyes on him? Not on the works that you're doing, not on the money that's coming in, not on the provision that happens, but on him himself. Amen? Not on the healings, not on the lack of healings, not on the deliverances, not on the lack of deliverances, not on the salvations, not on the lack of salvations, but on him and him alone. Amen? And then he says, not only that, intense hatred is going to come your way. It is Jesus promised it. Amen? He told us multiple times in the New Testament during his, his ministry, it's going to come. If they hate me, they're going to hate you more. Amen? If they, if they crucified me, just imagine what they're going to do to you. I'm paraphrasing. Amen? Look what they did to the apostles. Look what they did to the prophets all throughout time. 
What makes us think we're any better? Because we're Americans. Think again. So he says these things. Don't think yourself to be anything because you're only here. You're only anointed. You're only called. It's only the word of God in you burning to come out because of him. Amen? Because he has a work for you to do. You're the vessel. You're the servant. Amen? Amen. So when we stand before God in prayer with our renewing of our minds, Lord God, I am your humble servant. And you've got to mean it. Amen? Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Some, to me, those were the most empowering words of my life and the most humbling words of my life. And when I realized that everybody didn't do it, I thought it was strange. Really strange. <laughs> but the Lord says, don't let these things distract you. And the word that he actually gave me, which is a short word, was to not run away, A, because of your emotions or because of, of fears and emotion. Amen? So don't, don't run from whatever comes your way because of what you feel or what you see or what you think. Only stand. What does he say? He says, thou shalt not live by bread alone.